Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Recorded live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C., Welcome to the Big Life Podcast on Full Service Radio. I'm Ingrid Weishus, broadcasting live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. Every day on The Big Life, Lena and I hold inspiring and honest conversations with experts, leaders, and holistic professionals who live and help others live big, fulfilling lives by redefining success, beauty, health, and happiness. The Big Life is an invitation to mindset shift and gives you the tools to go from stressed and overwhelmed to happy and thriving. I'm Ingrid Weishus, a health coach who helps women discover achievable, sustainable strategies to better health so they can avoid burnout and thrive at home and at work. For our regular listeners wondering where Lena is, she'll be back next week with an awesome episode. In today's show, we'll be exploring how to navigate work and life in a way that feels aligned with your values and goals and doesn't lead to burnout. This is a key component of the work that I do every day. There's a lot of talk about work-life balance, but I don't think we should look at it this way. Um, It sets a negative tone and can lead to feelings of failure when you feel like you're not achieving that elusive balance. Instead, I want to challenge my clients and you to think about the idea of harmony, that different parts of our lives can exist together without destroying one another. Our guest today is Arlington County board member Katie Crystal. As a public servant, wife, and new mom, there's no denying her life is pretty full. So I thought it'd be great to talk about how she manages stress, how she works on finding harmony in her career and personal life, what motivated her to get into politics, and what it takes to succeed in this arena. Welcome, Katie. I'm so excited about this conversation. Thank you for making the time. I'm thrilled to do it. I really appreciate you guys including me in this awesome conversation. No, I think it's so important. And I think that the fact that you're home and that you are taking care of your son and still doing all the things is amazing. <laughs> so you, That's right. You may hear him in the background. Yeah. <laughs> He's part of this podcast, too. Exactly. He wants to join. Um, so we love to start talking to our guests about a little bit more about you. What, what inspired you to get into politics in this case? Um, So I have been a really big believer in women in politics for a long time. One of the things I, um, sort of fun fact I often point out is I was born the same year as Emily's List. Mm -hmm. So um, I really came of age where where this notion that women were starting to flood into Congress, you know, in the year of the woman after the Clarence Thomas hearings, um, that really felt like the environment I grew up in. So just that notion that um, women had a place and it was important for them to be involved in politics um, was something that... Um, made its way into my brain at an early age. And so I had always been interested in the idea of, of running for office um, at some point in the future. And, and actually what inspired me to do it was um, my work on the Commission on the Status of Women in Arlington, mm-hmm. which, Ingrid, I know you serve on now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've been doing work on childcare affordability and community response to sexual assault. And um, there was a, an election and an open seat, or two open seats, rather, and no other women running. There were six candidates, and I was the only woman. And, and at the time, I figured, well, you know, I, I know... Um, uh, having been steeped in this, that, that women govern differently and run differently and focus on different issues. And so um, I'm going to at least put these issues on the table and, and advocate for them. 
Um, and uh, I guess five years later, actually, now here I am and just won re-election. So oh, wow. yeah. serving my fifth year. So, I mean, all the points that you make are so important. It's like women govern differently. We do things differently. There's definitely space for women in government. But yeah. it adds another layer, right, to the mm -hmm. idea of how do, how do we do it? Like, how do we manage yeah. to find that harmony between our personal life, our public life, um, And the stress that comes as it, with it, Absolutely. right? So what are yeah. some, yeah, what are the, right now, what do you think are some of the biggest stressors for women in public life, but also who have a career that requires a lot of them? Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, I think about things from the policy and political lens, because that's my job. But yeah. I think one of the biggest stressors is that structurally, we're not set up to support families. Um, you know, I think we have an economy that sort of still assumes there's a parent at home. But at least where we live in the D.C. Mm -hmm. area, um, it's very hard to, to support a family on yeah. one salary. Um, so we sort of have this assumption that there is going to be a parent who, you know, can leave early if the kid is sick at daycare or, um, you know, uh, not stay late, right? Um, uh, and yet, uh, you know, with two working parents oftentimes in very high achieving or high stressful yeah. jobs, um, that assumption is really not true. And so, you know, I think the biggest challenge is that every family is trying to solve this for ourselves um, instead of acknowledging that really is a public policy challenge. Yeah, and I feel like you speak so eloquently to the fact that this is what I deal with with a lot of my clients, right? We have, yeah. you have your job and you love it and it's actually amazing that you love it, but then you get married, you may start a family and this starts adding new pressures, right? And how yeah. do you navigate all of this? Absolutely. What is the biggest lesson you've seen or what have you learned in terms of how your idea of success has changed as your life has changed and you've evolved, right? So when you got into politics, were you married? I can't remember. I, think I was, you were yeah. Married. So, okay. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. married, but definitely no kiddo. Exactly. So has that changed how you view the idea of success and how now you define it versus how you've defined it before? That is so interesting. You know, I... Um, I think, I don't know that it has changed the way I think of success, right? Like I've always defined success or hoped to be able to, to demonstrate success in terms of, you know, service and, and um, making a difference in my community. Yeah. So I think what having, you know, having this little guy in our life has, has done for me is made me feel more acutely or more personally about what some of those challenges are, yeah. right? You know, mm -hmm. um, childcare affordability, of course, is something we're living now, but even things like, you know, having a great parks and library system yeah. or... Um, raising kids in a diverse environment. Uh, those are things that, that now I, you know, I have a real face to put to that. So mm -hmm. it's made my vision of success and my definition of success feel much more personal. Do you? He's, I carry seems to disagree, but <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm here. Pay attention to me. Um, and so, do you feel like now you have an added incentive to figure out how to make it work and how do you make it work? Right, because you're you. You're, you're like trying to balance all, I hate, and I hate using the word balance. I think I said yeah. it at the beginning of the show because yeah. I think it sets us up for, I love harmony. exact for failure. I think that if we were able to understand that life ebbs and flows and there'll be times where you might be more focused on your work and it's, it might be stressful, yeah. but then it'll balance itself out. How do you manage to do that? Because you have a public career and it's like many of the women that I work with can't be like, oh, I, I choose not to do this today. There are certain things that because you're in public service, because you're a public official or because you have a high position within a company, you just can't say no to. So how do you yeah. navigate that? 
Oh, this is such a good question. And I think about that a lot, too, you know, with the notion of burnout, that it can be really hard in public life. Um, you know, when you're feeling burnt out or sort of not up for it, yeah. there really aren't any mental health days, right? Like yeah. somebody's expecting you to come to their civic association to hear about something you're really concerned about, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's definitely a challenge. I mean, I think for me, one of the biggest things or biggest keys um, is sort of how I set up the entire frame. Like I truly believe that having a small kid and a young family in Arlington makes me better at my job. I think it makes me more empathetic to and tuned into the issues facing a group of people that maybe historically haven't always had a voice on the county board. Mm -hmm. And similarly, I really do believe that being in public office and, you know, having this exposure to such an extraordinary community is going to make me a better mom. Being able to take Carrie around to community events and to work on improving the community in which she's going to grow up, I think is a good thing. And so I think for so many women especially, but probably true for a lot of people, period, when we set up this frame where these parts of our lives are in conflict with one another and every minute that you spend at your job is a minute you're spending away from your kid. And so um, it's undermining you as a good mother, for example, mm-hmm. um, or every minute that you spend with your child is a minute away from email and so it's making you worse at your job. Um, I think when you set things up in that tension, we've almost automatically set ourselves up for stress and frustration um, and disappointment in ourselves. And so, you know, I try to figure, right, like it's, um, I maybe not the, an optimal podcast guest might yeah. be a little more <laughs> buttoned up and not mm-hmm. distracted or out of breath from having carried her kiddo up a couple of stairs. But I actually also think, right, like this, the kind of messiness of that um, really underscores what you're trying to say, right, with this podcast and the idea of a big life. And so, um, you know, I try to see those things as supporting one another rather than being the enemies or opponents of one another. I love what you just said about like the tension. If you create the tension between if I'm spending time with my family, then I'm neglecting something at work. And if I'm doing something at work, I might be neglecting my family. I love the idea that it is up to us to decide how we, how we tackle it. And if we don't create the tension and if we're okay with the idea of when I'm focused on work, I'm working. And when I'm focused at home, this is what I'm doing. And it's okay. And I also love the idea that you bring Carrie with you. And I think it's (laughs) something that more and more people, more women and men too, should should think about. How can we make it part of our lives and make it more normal? Um, Because it's not easy and it is messy. That's right. That's right. And I think too, you know, I feel really lucky Um, that I've been able to make some structural decisions, um, right? And this is like where that value of work-life harmony really gets tactical. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I knew for me, for example, that I have a job that involves a ton of working on nights and weekends, Mm -hmm. and I knew I'd be away from the kiddo on nights and weekends. And so for me, I was able to say, okay, well, let's do daycare three days a week, right? Mm -hmm. And Wednesdays and every other Friday, um, I'm going to get to mostly just hang out with them. And and so I think, you know, thinking about like, what are those structural ways? Every job has its advantages and disadvantages in terms of that balance or harmony. Um, You know, mine has the disadvantage of nights and weekends, but it also has the advantage of flexibility. Um, You know, and and knowing that a lot of times when people do want to meet, it's not during business hours. So being able to spend a couple days a week during business hours with Carrie um, has been her last bit. Exactly. And and, and And I think that what you speak to is very important, and it's about figuring out what works for where you're at and looking mm. at your schedule and knowing that it's, your job is never 
going to be, I mean, it's hard to find that ideal perfect circumstance, right, when something changes or makes your life more, more full. But I think the idea of looking at what works and, and setting your life in such a way, recognizing that, yes, you are bound to weekends, you are bound to um, working at off hours, but then you can balance it out with more weekdays with your, with your son. Is, exactly. Is so, so useful. Um, yeah. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned throughout this process of going into politics, um, being a public servant, being a new mom? What are the biggest lessons? Oh, wow. I'm still synthesizing. I have, uh, mm-hmm. I think I have uh, like two more weeks before Carrie turns one. So I feel yeah. like I get to describe myself <laughs> as a new mom for at least two more weeks. Yeah. Once he's one, it's over. I'm a veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm definitely still learning and um, accommodating. And I think... You know, one of the things that I feel like is by far the biggest lesson I learned in politics that is carried over pretty well um, into motherhood is just that notion of trying to stay open to what other people have to tell you, because I genuinely do believe that everybody that you encounter has something to teach you. You know, maybe they have something they can learn from you, and then there's something that they can teach you. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's really important to try to keep that humility in public office um, instead of assuming that, you know, it's my job to communicate a message or, um, you know, educate people on X or Y thing. I try to remember that it really is my job to listen. Um, and that has certainly been true with our son so far, right? Yeah, like, exactly. I have a lot to learn from him. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and a lot to learn from the, you know, daycare professionals in his life and, and things like that. And so I'm um, really trying to stay open to what people have to share with you. Um, it's been one of the biggest takeaways from my time in public office. And, and I think it's relevant, too, to, to raising him. Yeah. One thing I'm curious about, Katie, is one of the things that I see with my clients a lot is they're sometimes they feel like they can't ask for help or asking for help is really hard. So we feel as women that we need to do it all and that for some reason asking for support or letting go of responsibilities or asking somebody else to fill in um, is hard for us. Um, how do you, have you, do you encounter that? How do you deal and what has been your biggest lesson around asking for yeah. help? That is that definitely resonates, and I'd say a, a related thing that's a struggle, right, is admitting that you don't have it all buttoned up, mm-hmm. right, or you don't have a plan. And um, I always think it's a little violent, but that great Muhammad Ali quote that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, yeah. um, you know. But our our son was uh, he's doing awesome now, but he was two months early. We expected yeah. him to arrive May fourth, and he showed up last year, March ninth. And mm-hmm. so I had you know was running for re-election at the time, but yeah. I had this great plan that we were going to get through budget season in the county, and I was going to you know knock doors for the final weeks and then I'd be able to, to take a couple of weeks to recover um, uh, in, the, in the home stretch. And uh, that's not at all what happened, right? And so for me, that kind of acknowledging, all right, you know what? We don't actually have a plan. We didn't come up with a plan for how we would manage work or I would manage the budget process of the campaign with our son spending a month in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think first is just admitting like, okay, we've been thrown a curveball and mm-hmm. there's no way um, that I can stick to the original plan. And that means to your point, I have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in that time, like I really relied on my campaign manager to step up and, and do things for me. I relied on my colleagues, you know, mm-hmm. we're a team of five members yeah. in the County board. Um, and there were plenty of, you know, community events I was supposed to go or speak at mm-hmm. um, or, or issues I was supposed to cover that my colleagues very gracefully filled in for me. You know, and in the months since I've really um, because they're balancing family and lives too, I've had the chance to fill in for them, right, when mm-hmm. they needed it. And uh, I think really seeing that come full circle has been such a lesson in 
asking for help is not just taking or, um, you know, receiving. It's it's part of a cycle, which mm-hmm. is what good colleagues and friends and family do for one another. Um, and to, to be cheesy about it, right, like that sort yeah. of circle of support. And so um, I think that's been a really lovely lesson to learn. But it does start by admitting you don't have a plan for yeah. that, right? And that's what we as women always want to want to have our A-plus ducks-in-a-row plan. Yeah, and I think that you make the point so well and that life throws you curveballs, right? And you want to have a plan, but when you try to stick to that plan too intently or you're not flexible around um, what can happen, then that, I think, is what forces us to feel like we're not that we're failing or we're not good enough because the plan yes. we're not sticking to the plan. And I think that harmony points to that, to the idea that if we're more flexible, if we're less attached to the outcome or to the plan, then it is easier on us. Right. Because we yeah. lose our expectation. Do you, That's do you get exactly that sense? Right. That totally makes sense. And, and I also have to admit though, too, I mean, one of the things where I still, I've, I've learned the lesson, but I haven't applied it anywhere is that I think, and I wonder if this may be true for other men or women that you work with, um, that when, when something goes uh, awry in a big, major, out-of-our-control way, mm-hmm. it's sort of comfortable to say, or not comfortable, but it's, it's feasible to say, I need help or this wasn't my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be harder to ask for help in the more day-to-day stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think about the fact that I felt pretty comfortable um, calling on others or saying no, which is another skill yeah. right, that I haven't always been good at, mm-hmm. um, in those very early weeks, right? Because I think anybody yeah. could, could look at that, whether they have kids or not, and say, wow, a baby in the hospital, recovering from a surgery that you didn't expect. Like, this is, this is a big deal. Take yeah. your time. Mm-hmm. What I struggled with a lot more was, you know, maybe towards uh, the fall when mm-hmm. he was a healthy, happy six-month-old in daycare, and it was still sort of a challenge to get back to balance. And mm-hmm. so... It's like we're comfortable asking for help in the catastrophe, but not admitting that that help is something that we need as part of our daily lives. Exactly. And as our lives change, right, and we get more responsibilities, we add more, then what ends up happening is we forget to ask for help or let go of the things that are no longer serving us, which is a huge lesson, I think, for Mm -hmm. most of the people that I work with. It's like along the way, we've said yes and yes and yes and yes, and the circumstances have changed, and yet we have let go of nothing, Right, mm-hmm. right, exactly. So cool. So I think this is a great point for a short break, but stay tuned for the second part of our conversation with Arlington County board member Katie Crystal. to the Big Life Podcast on Full Service Radio. I'm Ingrid Weishus, broadcasting live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. Our guest today is Katie Crystal, member of the Arlington County Board. For those of you just joining our conversation, our our show today is all about exploring how career and personal life can coexist. Um, We've been talking a little bit about what, what, how, Katie's life has changed since she got into politics when she was married but didn't have a kid and now she has a baby until a few weeks from now he'll be one Uh, and things have changed and responsibilities have changed and there's been more pull in her life 
Um, and so now I'm curious about how do you take care of yourself, Katie? I know that um, you have a ton of things going on. We talked about it earlier in the show where you have late nights, you work on weekends, um, then you have to take care of your son, spend time with your family. How do you take care of yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think um, I definitely used to, I think one of the things that I've, that I've lost a little bit in my day-to-day life that I do miss is, is exercise, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of physical movement. Yeah. And so, you know, I think I tried to, um, whereas before I was maybe going to do a, a high-impact aerobic class, now it's like a walk, right, mm-hmm. with, with the stroller, um, and trying to remind myself that, um, you know, exercise or movement is something that I can do to take care of myself and clear my head and not yet another thing to be competitive about in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do, I think, you know, yoga is helpful. Um, Sort of feeling that movement and and that connection is is, um, so critical. Um, And then one of the things, this is so so specific, but it's always been a really important part of my life, is to try to be reading a novel always Mm -hmm. for, you know, even if it's just 20 minutes before bed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think the... Reading has been a passion of mine since I was very small, and so being able to just stay connected to something that I've loved throughout my life um, and to be, you know, transported into different worlds, even yeah. for short uh, yeah. of time and others' experience, I think really um, helps, helps keep that uh, empathy skill as well as help me clear my head. Yeah, I think that you alluded to two things that are so important, and again, it keeps making that same point that you can still have movement, it's just going to be different movement than it was before, right? It might, what served you before may not work for you right now, and I think that that's okay, and recognizing that it's not necessarily a competition, but that we're allowed to change, and because circumstances change, so can our, so can our, the way we take care of ourselves. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things, too, that, um, it's helped me in terms of letting go less helpful things is just recognizing that, um, you know, your, my physical appearance or my physical health doesn't need to be like yet another, um, achievement I'm trying to work on in my life, mm-hmm. right? Like it can actually just be a thing that, that brings me joy and, um, helps relieve stress. Yeah. But that, that, that was the kind of undoing, uh, an adulthood, right? Or a yeah. lifetime of, of sort of, um, unhealthy habits and yeah. thinking about physical shape and exercise. Yeah, and messaging. That's, I mean, Lena and I talk that a, about that a lot on the show, about the idea that what, what defines beauty, what, look, what is beauty, what is healthy. And it's more than just how we look. It's how we're feeling and how we yes. put ourselves out into the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah, so how does, what does harmony, like we talked about harmony a lot, what does it look like for you right now? What feels like harmony for you right now hmm I think um you know right now it's been a pretty good pace of things at work Mm -hmm. right so it it definitely varies and so Mm -hmm. you know that my joke would be like we'll talk to me in a month when we're in the peak of budget session it might look entirely different Mm -hmm. um but I think you know definitely harmony looks like those Wednesdays where I'm just with my son you know and I'm trying Mm -hmm. to maybe get work done for a couple hours while he naps but um, I'm able to keep my schedule flexible enough that, you know, I can really get those big bodies of work done um, on the weekdays when I'm in the office and can, you know, watch him pull up for the first time or, um, you know, otherwise engage and just sort of be on the play mat and hang out with him, exactly. um, which is which is great. And then I think, you know, similarly, um, one of the things that I haven't yet talked about that is so important, I think, to my life is just having a partner who is, you know, both parents have to be 
110%, I think, to really make it work. Um, there's none of this, like, 50-50 stuff. It's really everybody giving 100% or more. And so I think the other way that, that um, Harmony manifests in my life is being able to um, do daycare pickup and then know that my husband is going to come home uh, to take Carrie and give him uh, dinner and, and put him to bed while I get to, you know, go out and present on our new housing study with Civic Association, exactly. right? Um, so being able to to know that um, my family is still ticking and humming while I participate in the community um, is definitely part of what Harmony looks like, too. It's absolutely, and it's about finding like, that balance between and what we were talking about earlier. It's like that, the idea that you can ask for help, and it's both at work. Like, it's asking for help and realizing where you're no longer needed, but also yeah. being able to lean on people outside in your in your personal life whether you're married whether you have a partner whether you have an extended family that can support you I think that that's one of the important things that we need to think about um yeah yeah I know it's a really exciting time not only in Virginia politics but in like in politics in general for women right we have a lot of women in the Virginia assembly we have a lot of women in congress what would you say to any woman who's interested and excited and maybe is thinking about pursuing a career in politics, um, what advice would you give them in terms of how do you find ease and flow in doing both things? Yeah, wow, that's a great question. It's something I think about a lot, right? I'm, it's been um, incredibly inspiring to me. I ran in 2015, and so that was like just before this wave that was, you know, touched yeah. off by the most recent presidential election mm-hmm. um, of women running. And so, you know, at the time I was kind of a novelty, right? This woman in her 30s running for local office, and now that's a novelty at all, and that's amazing. Um, and it's just such an exciting time. And so, you know, I think the, the best advice um, that I could give to somebody else is, you know, I love the way you've talked about harmony, and I think you can also think about harmony over time, right? I, I don't think there's any way to run a campaign, a successful campaign, mm-hmm. <laughs> that isn't flat out, right? Yeah, um, of you know, that isn't pretty all-consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that also doesn't mean that you need to be running flat out for the rest of your life, you know? Exactly. And so thinking about, like, okay, what does it take? How do I ask for help? Who do I rely on on a short term? Um, you know, because this is going to be a, a crazy season of life, but it is going to be a season, mm-hmm. um, and it's not forever. And I love that. I love the idea that you don't have to go flat out all the time, that you know and you can look at it and be like, okay, this is going to be crazy. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be busy. What do I need to do in place so that I can manage it? And then know that it's going to end. It's a moment in time that will lead to hopefully a successful outcome, but it doesn't have to be and it shouldn't be um, forever, right? Because that's what leads into the burnout. I think that it's not about not working hard. I always say that. It's not that you don't push when you need to push, but it's knowing mm-hmm. that you don't push forever, right? And I think right. that that point right. that you just made exemplifies that so well. If you're running a campaign, it's going to be hard. There's no way mm-hmm. it's not. But once that's over, how do you recalibrate after, after you're done with that stressful period? That's exactly right. And I think we all have that cognitive bias, you know, where whatever moment we're in, we just think it's our moment forever. And so I can't tell you, you know, either when I was running for office the first time in 2015 or after my son was born, I can't tell you how many times I had to tell myself, like, don't make any major decisions, right? Like, you don't need to 
change his daycare schedule or um, decide not to run for re-election, right? Like this is, it's a stressful moment that we're in right now, but it's, but it's a moment um, and, and trying to have the intellectual wherewithal to sort of remind yourself of that, right? And, and not be overly reactive to, to what might be the most stressful exactly. season of your life. Exactly. I mean, and when we are stressed, that's when we tend to make the decisions that probably don't serve us the best, right? Yeah, if we're trying to absolutely. add on or change many things, it's probably not the best time. I always tell that to my clients. Let's deal with one yes. thing at a time. If you're going to go through a stressful period at work, let's deal with that and give you the tools so that you can get through it, but then know that there has to be an end where you recalibrate and then make the other decisions. Exactly. And it's, oh, I, um, your clients are lucky to have an external person in their life reminding of them of that because it can be really hard to remember it on your own. Exactly. Like, I, that, that's exactly right. When you're overwhelmed, it's like really hard to see outside of that overwhelm. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious because one of the things I talk a lot about is having a toolkit, right? Having those that one or two things that you know you can lean on every day that you know, regardless of what's going on, regardless of how hard your day is going to be, if you do this thing or these two things, you know mm-hmm. you'll feel better. Is there anything in your like self-care or wellness kit that you know if you do every day, you're going to be fine regardless of what curveballs get thrown your way? Oh, wow. That is an excellent question. I'm not sure I can think about any like specific rituals, mm-hmm. but I can think about um, one of the biggest things for me is is humor. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes even if it's a little bleak or gallows humor, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, I, if it's a text thread with my husband or my best friend, you know, where I can um, sort of laugh at, at uh, the absurdity of, of what I'm juggling or what we're going through, then I, then I know I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be all right as long as I can keep that going. And I think, you know, just the importance of people in your life, right. Who, who get you, um, who you don't have to explain yourself to or give a lot of backstory to who can just dive right in and know when you need support. Um, you know, the, the, the people and the ability to laugh are, um, are crucial. Absolutely. And I think that that, that's, that's great knowing that, if you're going through a hard day, you have someone to lean on that will take you out of it and give you the perspective and then you can like um, fall right back into whatever the situation is. is so, so valuable. That's right. And I think, you know, it can be tough. One of the things that's definitely true of politics, even at the local level, is that um, the, the boundaries between your personal life and your professional life get really blurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you have, I feel incredibly grateful. You know, my, my job has meant that I've been exposed to um, dozens and dozens, maybe even hundreds of, of new people that I've come to see um, as friends or thought partners, which is really special. Um, but I think it's also really important to, to have in your life those couple of people um, who are totally outside your context, you know, who uh, aren't maybe trying to get your ear about a mm-hmm. site plan or yeah. a park planning process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so knowing the difference um, has been really critical for me. How do you, we had a show all about boundaries. How do you go about uh, setting boundaries? Like what's the biggest thing you've learned about how you set them and what works for you? You know, I think I might just have to cop to. This is one of the things that I still struggle with. I I don't know that I've solved it Mm -hmm. for myself. Um, I think I definitely have that. I would say it's it's um, an issue that a lot of politicians have, and I suspect probably a lot of female politicians have, of wanting to be liked and wanting to be seen as nice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, have just... I'm constantly trying to, to remind myself that, that, you know, it's important to be um, kind, but that's not the same thing as being 
sweet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, whether it's emotional labor or your time or anything else, um, you know, you, you don't owe that to people. You mm-hmm. owe it to your constituents to, um, to hear them, to listen to them, to be available to them, and to make the best decision you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't necessarily... Uh, you know, oh, ever increasing amounts of um, your time or your ear. And I am much better at articulating that than I am about doing it. That's for sure. I mean, and I think definitely it's something that we all have to practice. And I think that when you have so many people pulling you right to to a specific perspective or a way of doing things or wanting certain things to happen, it does make it hard, especially because in a way I feel like your bosses are, are your constituents, right? Exactly. I say Mm -hmm. that all the time. I have 230,000 bosses, which is, yeah, that's exactly right. And you want to be responsive to them. And, um, you know, I think uh, one of the things that that does come over time with probably any job, and I found with my job, is that you do sort of get a sense of the rhythm of things. And there's a little bit of a sense of, you know, it's okay if I don't go to this nonprofit's breakfast this year because mm-hmm. I can go next year, right? Exactly. And you recognize that things will, will come around or, you know, maybe there is going to be an issue where um, folks are going to be disappointed that I wasn't more accessible or didn't vote with them on, um, you know, this uh, particular plan in their neighborhood. But I know there'll be another one, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we'll continue to have conversations as that neighborhood evolves. And yeah. um, so I think really understanding that there are rhythms and seasons and, um, uh, you'll have opportunities to build relationships and community over time um, has helped me occasionally feel better about you know yeah. declining a particular invitation. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's also about recognizing that it, like life is a long time and we have a long time and it might feel urgent, but if you're able to, again, step back, step back, lean on someone, ask for their opinion when they're not directly involved, I think it gives us the perspective to be able to come at it from a different way, right? And be able to be like, okay, maybe this time around it, it, it won't happen, but it's okay to say no because it doesn't That's, have to be a uh, hard no. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that that is so very true um, that, that life is long and um, we'll have opportunities uh, either with people or just with um, career advancement or things like that, right? That, mm-hmm. that uh, you know, sometimes our ambition tells us that. Um, the opportunity ahead of us will come around only once in a lifetime. But, yeah. but that's really true. Yeah, exactly. So as we begin to wrap up, I'm, we ask our guests, what does living a big life mean to you? You know, I think one of the things that is the, the most important just sort of values uh, to me is this notion that we are on this earth to do for others. Um, you know, I'm Jewish, and that's certainly part of my religion, and I think it's universally mm-hmm. true of so many others. And so a big life is about the impact that you're having and whether you can make things a little better for somebody else mm-hmm. in your community or nation or world or even family, right, mm-hmm. for some people. And so um, I think a, a big life is one um, that is lived in, in significant part for others um, and is making someone else better off for your having on what you do. Exactly. What is one thing that you're excited about? Oh, what a terrific question. What is one thing I'm excited about? Um, my son, we're having a first birthday party for him, not this mm-hmm. weekend, but next weekend. And I am incredibly excited. I We've invited just sort of a small group of people and the people who are so core and so key uh, to helping us keep this little human alive for a year. Yeah. And I can't wait to celebrate with them. And um uh, I'm really looking forward to that. That's amazing. And then lastly, if people, if there's anybody interested in learning more about your career, maybe getting in touch with you about how you did it, um, how can they contact you? Or how can they, what's the best way to reach you? 
Oh, I love that. So, um, you know, the, it's a little different if you're interested in talking politics. I you yeah. know, generally have different accounts for that than mm-hmm. policy. But one of the best places to find me is on social media. Okay. Um, I'm at Kate Crystal on Twitter, um, Katie Crystal for Arlington on Facebook. Um, you know, I think one of the great things about social media is that opportunity to just stay in regular touch. So, um, uh, you know, I can talk policy or politics on, on those platforms mm-hmm. and love hearing what other people are up to or what they're interested in. So that's a great place to find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Katie, for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know that it you're was a pleasure. Thank you juggling for so with many the, things. Uh, no, absolutely. <laughs> the opinions from this little <laughs> Um And um, like we always do, I think to me the biggest um, what I learned the most about this episode, and I think we see it a lot, is the idea that things can change, that we have to be flexible and open to this change. And that finding harmony is all about not being attached to the outcome and being okay with rolling with the punches because that way we won't feel the disappointment and disappointment and we're able to feel better about ourselves and feel better about what we accomplish when we are not so set on how it has to be. But we have a goal and then we're fine with the twists and turns it might take to get there. And the help we have to ask for along the way, right? Exactly. Absolutely. So next week, I'll be out of town, but join Lena for an insightful and provocative conversation about body kindness and how weight loss isn't a path for health. She'll be joined by Rebecca Sherfield, a well-being coach, registered dietitian, nutritionist, certified health and fitness specialist, and the author of the book, Body Kindness. I think it's going to be a really cool conversation. And like usual, thank you all for joining us. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to share it with your friends and write a review on iTunes. And if you have topic ideas or requests uh, or people who you want us to interview, feel free to send us a message on Instagram. I'm at Ingrid underscore wellness. Um, And we will see you next week.